Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is one of the most important and terrifying documents published in our time. It is the case submitted by South Africa in the International Court of Justice, and it accuses Israel of genocide. Now, what is so chilling about this document is that it reads as though you are somehow reading a great crime from the past, as it seeks to explain how this monumental horror was made possible to a public which is astounded that such an atrocity could ever have been tolerated at the time. But this is happening now, right now, as I speak and as you listen. Now, this is an extremely important point to make. In genocides in the past, there is often a historical debate later on about how much people knew at the time and therefore how complicit they were and whether this mass slaughter could have been stopped sooner. It's therefore our responsibility to make sure everyone does know about the mass extermination of Palestinians currently taking place in Gaza. So there are no excuses no places to hide, and so pressure can be brought on our governments to end their complicity. That's because Western governments continue to back and arm Israel, making them directly complicit and partly responsible for one of the great crimes of our age. And the Western media has largely sought to hide the reality of this horror from the public. You either have media outlets which act as overt cheerleaders for the Israeli military, or other outlets which frame this ongoing crime as Israel seeking to eliminate Hamas with a side debate, or whether its so-called response is proportionate, where we can all agree to disagree that it's a subjective opinion one way or the other. But this isn't about proportionality at all. This document squarely accuses Israel of genocide, noting both intent and conduct. Now, I've read this 84-page document, and to be clear, South Africa is not messing around here. This is an extremely serious piece of work which hugely able legal experts have clearly spent a massive amount of time and resources on. It is loyally, it is detailed, it is obsessively evidenced. Indeed, there are 574 footnotes scattered throughout. Now, you may think, like myself, that you may have been closely following Israel's war crimes since the atrocities committed against Israeli civilians during the attack by Hamas and other armed groups on the 7th of October last year. You will still find this document absolutely shocking if you have humanity, partly because of the details you won't have been familiar with, partly just because finally everything has been put in one place, or rather everything up to the point this document was written. Every day brings new examples, both in terms of conduct, that is, genocidal acts against the Palestinian people, and in terms of intent, that is, statements by Israeli politicians, officials, journalists and others endorsing genocidal sentiments. Now, the document focuses, in its words, on acts threatened, adopted, condoned, taken and being taken by the government and military of the State of Israel against the Palestinian people, a distinct national, racial, 
an ethnical group in the wake of the attacks in Israel on 7th of October 2023. It makes clear South Africa's own condemnation of war crimes committed by Hamas and other Palestinian armed groups that day. A critical point it makes is this. No armed group, no armed attack on a state's territory, no matter how serious, even an attack involving atrocity crimes can, however, provide any possible justification for or defence to breaches of the 1948 Convention on the Prevention and Punishment of the Crime of Genocide. This couldn't be more important to state. Even if, for example, we were to start the clock on October 7th and erase decades of mass ethnic cleansing by Israel, occupation, land theft, illegal colonization, apartheid, the mass slaughter of innocent civilians, Palestinians, including 240 alone this year in the West Bank before October 7th, even if we were to erase that context, which we must not do, there is never any justification for the crime of genocide. As the document puts it, whether as a matter of law or morality. It further notes the acts and omissions by Israel complained of by South Africa are genocidal in character because they are intended to bring about the destruction of a substantial part of the Palestinian national, racial and ethnical group, that being the part of the Palestinian group in the Gaza Strip, that is, the Palestinians of Gaza, as they are referred to throughout. It makes clear Israel is violating the Genocide Convention by failing to prevent genocide and committing genocide. And that includes failing to prevent or punish the direct and public incitement to genocide by senior Israeli officials and others. This is the case the document seeks to prove. It also understands genocide as a continuum, which is how Raphael Lemkin, the Polish Jewish lawyer who coined the word genocide in 1944, wanted us to understand it. That means placing the current horror in a broader context of a 75-year-long apartheid, a 56-year-long belligerent occupation of Palestinian land, and a 16-year-old blockade of Gaza, bearing in mind that Gaza before this was legally understood to be under Israeli occupation because of Israel's total control over land, air, sea, of what got in and what got out, and all the crimes associated with all of those things. Now, it notes numerous warnings by UN officials and others for world leaders to take responsibility to prevent genocide, and that therefore South Africa and other signatories of the Genocide Convention have a responsibility to act. Now, genocidal intent comes from statements by Israeli state representatives, including those at the very top, the Israeli president, the prime minister, the Ministry of Defense, and others. Intent is also referred from the nature and conduct of Israel's military operation in Gaza, as it puts it, from its murderous armed uh, assaults on Gaza to depriving the population of the necessities of life and humanitarian assistance, including failure to provide or ensure essential food, water, medicine, shelter, and other humanitarian assistance to the destruction of the healthcare system. It notes how before this that before this horror began, Gaza was already left vulnerable by Israel to humanitarian catastrophe because of the siege, describing it as the indefinite warehousing of an unwanted population of 2 million Palestinians, leading to de-development and de-industrialization, with a 40% unemployment rate, a 60% poverty rate, and 80% dependent on some form of international assistance, with the coastal aquifer, the sole source of natural drinking water, polluted and unfit for human consumption, because of contamination by seawater and sewerage, and a healthcare system that was already on its knees. It also notes numerous examples of the mass killing of Palestinians in previous onslaughts, including the mass killing and maiming of peaceful protesters.
Now, in the here and now, the document discusses the key facts about Israel's military campaign against Gaza by land, air, and sea. That by 29th of October alone, that's many weeks ago, 6,000 bombs per week had been dropped on a narrow strip of land approximately 365 square kilometers big. One of the most densely populated places on Earth, home to 2.3 million, nearly half of whom are children, making it one of the heaviest conventional bombing campaigns in the history of modern warfare. In just over two months, the attacks have caused more destruction than the raising of Syria's Aleppo between 2012 and 2016, a much longer time frame. Ukraine's Mariupol, or proportionately the Allied bombing of Germany in World War II, again, over a much longer time frame. The destruction had left Gaza with a different color and texture when looked at from space. It notes the huge death toll, which according to the NGO Euromed Human Rights Monitor, including those buried under the rubble who aren't included in the official death toll, that means now more than 30,000 Palestinians have been killed, mostly women and children. Now, paragraphs 43 to 100 of this document concern genocidal acts committed against the Palestinian people in Gaza. It notes the challenges in establishing the facts on the ground because of Israel's imposed telecommunications blackouts, for example, the restriction of access by fact-finding bodies and international media, and the mass slaughter of Palestinian journalists who've been killed at a rate significantly higher than in any conflict in the last 100 years, with an average of one journalist dying every day representing more than 73% of the total number of journalists and media workers killed globally in 2023, bearing in mind that this horror began only in the last quarter of that year. Nowhere is safe. Palestinians are killed, it notes, in homes, places they sought shelter, in hospitals, in UN schools, in churches, in mosques, as they seek food and water for their families. They are killed if they fail to evacuate. And in the places that they fled, they are killed too, and while fleeing along what Israel declared as safe routes. There are growing reports of Israeli soldiers summarily executing Palestinians, including multiple members of the same family. In one cited case in Gaza City, at least 11 male members of the Anan family and their relatives, boys and men, were reportedly shot dead in front of their families before the women and children were then attacked. There's also reports of unarmed people, including Israeli hostages, of course, being shot dead on sight, despite posing no threat, including when they were waving white flags. So-called dumb, unguided bombs are reportedly dropped by Israel on Gaza in huge numbers, as well as heavy bombs weighing up to 2,000 pounds with a predicted lethal radius of up to 360 meters, but able to cause severe injury and damage up to 800 meters away from the point of impact. Around one in every 100 Gazans are now believed to have been killed because of violent deaths, and nearly 1,800 Palestinian families are estimated to have lost multiple, multiple family members. Hundreds of multi-generational families have been killed in their entirety, entire bloodlines wiped off the face of the earth, with no remaining survivors at all. Mothers, fathers, children, siblings, grandparents, aunts, cousins, all gone. Entire families, often killed together. In the first month of this horror, 312 families had lost over 10 members each. The level of mortality is such that medics in Gaza have coined a new acronym, WCNSF. Wounded child, no surviving family. Over 115 Palestinian children are killed every day. 
as well as doctors, journalists, teachers, academics, and other professionals being killed at wholly unprecedented rates. Indeed, it's estimated over 311 doctors, nurses, and other health workers, including doctors and ambulance workers on duty, have been killed. 40 civil defence workers, those are those who dig victims out of the rubble and then are killed themselves, killed on duty. Over 209 teachers and educational staff also killed. 144 UN employees have been killed, the highest number of aid workers in UN history in such a short time. As well as violent deaths caused by Israeli military, Israeli weapons, Palestinians are at immediate risk of death by starvation, by dehydration and disease, as well as the ongoing siege, the insufficient aid allowed in, and the extreme difficulties in distributing that limited aid given the destruction of Gaza's infrastructure. Over 55,000 Palestinians have been wounded, mostly women and mostly children, and that often means burns and amputations with an estimated 1,000 children losing one or both legs. With only 13 out of 36 hospitals partly functional and no fully functioning hospital left in North Gaza, the healthcare system has all but collapsed and injured people are reduced to waiting to die, often dying slow and agonizing deaths. Even before this onslaught, Palestinians suffered severe trauma from prior attacks with 80% of Palestinian children suffering high levels of emotional distress, 79% demonstrating bedwetting, 59% showing reactive mutism, 59% engaged in self-harm, and 55% with suicidal thoughts. The current horror will only have made that so much worse, not least for the tens of thousands of Palestinian children who've lost at least one parent. For me, this following sentence chilled me to the bone. The report says this. For the families who remain intact, or partially intact, it's about doing everything you can so your child doesn't realise that you've lost control. There's something particularly devastating, I feel, about reading that sentence. Palestinians, according to this report, based on its evidenced readings of what's happening, Palestinians are subjected to cruel, inhuman and degrading treatment with large numbers of civilians, including children, reportedly arrested, blindfolded, forced to undress and remain outside in cold water before being forced onto trucks and taken to unknown locations. 85% of the population, it states, have been expelled from their homes. That is 1.9 million out of 2.3 million with nowhere safe to flee to. Repeated evacuation orders combined with the total siege described by the Red Cross as incompatible with international humanitarian law, with the World Health Organization warning it could be tantamount to a death sentence for hospital patients, and often Palestinian children are ordered into areas where there are ongoing airstrikes, creating terror. People flee to areas supposedly that are safe, which are then bombed. Growing population density as they are forced into an ever-shrinking corner of Gaza render these Israeli strikes ever more lethal. The forced evacuation, it, it notes, is necessarily permanent for many Palestinians because 60% of the entire housing stock in Gaza has been destroyed with the extent of the destruction in the north in particular rendering it largely uninhabitable, with destruction in the south approaching a similar level. It says the forced displacements in Gaza are genocidal and that they are taking place in circumstances calculated to bring about the physical destruction 
of Palestinians in Gaza. Israel has now pushed the Palestinian population in Gaza to the brink of famine, it quotes experts. Most of the Palestinian people in Gaza are now starving, with levels of starvation rising daily. As the UN Secretary General notes, four out of five of the hungriest people anywhere on earth are in Gaza. The World Health Organization states an unprecedented 93% of the population is facing crisis levels of hunger. Water is also severely depleted. Israel continues to cut off piped water for the north of Gaza, it says, and the north water desalination plant is non-functioning. The World Food Programme has reported there's only 1.5 to 1.8 litres of clean water available per person per day for all uses, drinking, washing, food preparation, sanitation and hygiene. That is far below the emergency threshold of 15 litres per day for war or famine-like conditions. The lack of water is severely impacting lactating women. Bear in mind the survival threshold is deemed to be 3 litres a day. Those lactating women who need far more water to keep themselves and their babies healthy. Young women forced to use contaminated water to prepare formula if it's available, risking disease in vulnerable babies. The context to all of that already is Israel has long hindered creating or repairing these water installation desalination plants and 95% of water from the sole aquifer was already unsuitable for consumption before the 7th of October. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. The document warns the experts are now predicting that more Palestinians in Gaza may die from starvation and disease and airstrikes. There's acute shortages of warm clothes, bedding, blankets. Soaring rates of infectious disease outbreaks, diarrhea cases among children under five are 25 times higher than before the conflict. Over 100,000 cases of diarrhea in total reported since mid-October. Sewage flows through the streets. But the document notes that almost above all else, the assault on Gaza has been an attack on the medical healthcare system, which is, it says, indispensable to the life and survival of the Palestinians of Gaza. By the 7th of October, the relevant UN Special Rapporteur declared the healthcare infrastructure in the Gaza Strip has been completely obliterated. Children's limbs amputated and cesarean sections are happening without anesthesia or sterilized surgical tools. We did what we could. Remember us. These are the words of Dr. Mahmoud Abu Nujile, who has since been killed in a hospital strike. He wrote those words on a hospital whiteboard normally used for planning surgeries. Since early December last year, Israeli army attacks on hospitals have only increased, depriving them of electricity and fuel crucial to maintain their effective function, obstructing them 
from getting medical supplies, food, water. Hospitals are described by UN agencies as death zones, scenes of bloodbath, death, devastation and despair. Some of Gaza's most experienced and skilled doctors have been killed, such as Dr. Hamam Alam, a kidney specialist at Al-Shifa Hospital, who said before he was killed in an Israeli strike on his home, if I go, he will treat my patients, we're not animals. We have the right to receive proper healthcare. You think I went to medical school and for my postgraduate degrees for a total of 14 years, so I think only about my own life and not about my patients. The document also notes that the mass destruction of hospitals and the slaughter of doctors undermines any prospect of a future Palestinian healthcare system in Gaza. Hundreds of Palestinians have now been killed in violent attacks on those hospitals and healthcare centres. Others have died because of the cutting off of electricity and fuel, including premature babies, including dozens of ICU and kidney patients. Severely injured patients walk for miles, desperately trying to find help. They cite the case of a boy from the north. His leg had been blown off in the violence. He spent three or four days trying to reach the south, delayed by checkpoints. Reportedly, the smell of decomposition was clear, and that boy had shrapnel all over. Potentially, he was blind and had burns to 50% of his body. Experts are beginning to warn that the numbers dying of disease and hunger could already be outstripping violent deaths caused by Israeli army assaults. Some estimate that the death toll from disease and hunger could be multiples of that from fighting and from airstrikes. In terms of the destruction of Palestinian life in Gaza, not only have entire streets and neighbourhoods been raised, one suburb of Gaza City, what's home to 110,000 Palestinians, is now a vast wasteland flattened as far as the eye can see. That means the destruction of all its shops, schools, vibrant marketplace, family homes, doctor's clinics, historic streets and its mosque. Specifically, this document charges Israel with destroying infrastructure and foundations of Palestinian life, deliberately creating conditions of life calculated to bring about the physical destruction of the Palestinian people from homes, neighbourhoods, hospitals, water systems, agricultural lands, bakeries, mills, to the foundational civil system in Gaza, like all courts, the Central Archive Building, with thousands of historical documents and national records going back over 100 years. The main public library is in ruins, along with bookshops, publishing, houses and other libraries and educational facilities. All of Gaza's four universities have been targeted. Leading Palestinian academics have been wiped out, award-winning physicists, software engineers, immunology and virology academics, poets, cultural centres, museums, places of learning destroyed. Ancient history sites destroyed. Gaza's old city destroyed. 318 Muslim and Christian religious sites damaged or destroyed. So as well as its people, the civic and cultural life and indeed history of Gaza is being erased too. The document examines measures intended to prevent Palestinian births, noting 70% of those killed are women and children and two mothers being killed, estimated, every hour in Gaza. Pregnant women and children, including newborn babies, most impacted by this catastrophe. An estimated 5,500 of the total 52,000 estimated pregnant women in Gaza are giving birth each month in unsafe conditions. Premature births have surged. Serious conditions threatening the lives of pregnant women and their children have surged. The number of Palestinian babies dying avoidable deaths has surged. Most of the rest of the document concerns genocidal intent against the Palestinian people. 
As the document says, evidence of Israeli state officials' specific intent to commit and persist in committing genocidal acts or to fail to prevent them has been significant and overt since October 2023. Let's begin with Benjamin Netanyahu, of course, the Prime Minister. There are many examples given, but for example, 16th of October 2023, in a formal address to the Israeli Knesset, he describes the situation as a struggle between the children of light and the children of darkness, between humanity and the law of the jungle. That's a theme he has continually returned to. As the 20, on the 28th of October 2023, as Israeli forces prepared their land invasion of Gaza, the Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu invoked the biblical story of the total destruction of Amalek by the Israelites, stating, you must remember what Amalek has done to you, says our Holy Bible. And we do remember. He referred again to Amalek in a specific letter to soldiers and, and army officers. The passage in the Bible reads as follows. Now go attack Amalek and prescribe all that belongs to him. Spare no one, but kill alike men and women, infants and sucklings, oxen and sheep, camels and asses. President Isaac Herzog of Israel made it clear that Israel did not distinguish between militants and civilians, declaring to foreign media in relation to Palestinian civilians in Gaza, over one million, remember, are children. It's an entire nation out there that's responsible. It's not true, this rhetoric about civilians not aware, not involved. It's absolutely not true, and we will fight until we break their backbone. The Defence Minister, Yov Gallant, declared on 9th of October that Israel was imposing a complete siege in Gaza. No electricity, no food, no water, no fuel. Everything is closed. We are fighting human animals, and we are acting accordingly. He told troops on the Gaza border that he had released all the restraints. Gaza won't return to what it was before, he said. We will eliminate everything. He further added that he'd removed every restriction on Israeli forces. Israeli Minister for National Security, Itamar Ben-Gavir, declared, To be clear, when we say that Hamas should be destroyed, it also means those who celebrate, those who support, and those who hand out candy. They're all terrorists, and they should also be destroyed. On the 13th of October, the Israeli Minister of Energy and Infrastructure declared, all the civilian population in Gaza is ordered to leave immediately. We will win. They will not receive a drop of water or a single battery until they leave the world. On 8th of October, the Israeli Minister of Finance, Bezalel Smotrich, declared in a meeting of the Israeli cabinet that we need to seal a deal a blow that hasn't been seen in 50 years and take down Gaza. On the 1st of November, the Israeli Minister of Heritage, Amakel Elihu posted, the north of the Gaza Strip, more beautiful than ever. Everything is blown up and flattened, simply a pleasure for the eyes, and argued against humanitarian aid, arguing we wouldn't hand the Nazis humanitarian aid, and there was no such thing, they added, as uninvolved civilians in Gaza. He also posited a nuclear attack on the Gaza Strip. On the 11th of November 2023, the Israeli Minister of Agriculture, Abi Dikta, recalled the Nakba of 1948, in which hundreds of thousands of Palestinians, over 80% of the Palestinian population of the new Israeli state at the time, was forced from or fled their homes, stating we are now actually rolling out the Gaza Nakba. On the 7th of October, the Deputy Speaker of the Knesset, or Parliament, Nisim Vatari, tweeted, now we all have one common goal, erasing the Gaza Strip from the face of the earth. Those who are not able will be replaced. Then there's the Israeli army officials, like one major general who declared Hamas became ISIS and the citizens of Gaza are celebrating instead of being horrified. Human animals are dealt with accordingly. Israel has imposed a total blockade on Gaza, no electricity, no water, just damage. 
You wanted hell, you'll get hell. Then there's Gura Island, the former head of the Israeli National Security Council, who has made multiple genocidal statements, demanding the cutting off of energy, water and fuel, declaring, the people should be told that they have two choices, to stay and starve or to leave. If Egypt and the other countries prefer these people will perish in Gaza, this is their choice. Repeatedly declaring the benefits of a humanitarian crisis, he declared, Israel has no interest in the Gaza Strip being rehabilitated, and this is an important point that needs to be made clear to the Americans. He added Israel has no choice to make Gaza a place that is temporarily or permanently impossible to live in, but to make. He also declared Israel needs to create a humanitarian crisis in Gaza, compelling tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands to seek refuge in Egypt or the Gulf. Gaza will become a place where no human being can exist. He makes clear there are no poor women in Gaza, by which he means innocent women. He says they are all the mothers, sisters or wives of Hamas murderers. He goes on to argue in favour of humanitarian disaster and severe epidemics in Gaza on the grounds that they would bring victory closer. Or take the 95-year-old army reservist Ezra Yakin, a veteran of the Day Yassin massacre against innocent Palestinians during the 1948 Nakba. He gave this so-called motivational speech for soldiers declaring be triumphant and finish them off and don't leave anyone behind erase the memory of them erase them their families mothers and children these animals can no longer live every jew with a weapon should go out and kill them if you have an arab neighbor don't wait go to his home and shoot him a key point here is that these statements whether they be by decision makers military officials and so on indicate a clear and direct public incitement to genocide that has gone unchecked and unpunished the conclusion the document then reaches from all of that is the clear inference from the acts of the Israeli army on the ground, including from the vast numbers of civilians killed and injured, and the scale of displacement, destruction and devastation wrought in Gaza, is that those genocidal statements and directives are being implemented against the Palestinian people. It backs up that conclusion with statements made on the ground, like an Israeli army colonel and deputy head of the unit dedicated to the occupied areas, who appeared in an area of Gaza particularly hit by destruction and he told Israeli television whoever returns here if they return here after will find scorched earth no houses no agriculture no nothing they have no future Israeli soldiers in uniform have been filmed dancing chanting and singing may their village burn may Gaza be erased in another example they appeared dancing singing and laughing we know our motto they said there are no uninvolved civilians and to wipe out what they called the seed of Amalek the document then lists statements by various members of the Israeli Knesset, that is Parliament, calling for Gaza variously to be wiped out, flattened, erased, crushed on all its inhabitants. Parliamentarians have deplored anyone feeling sorry for those in Gaza, specifically asserting there are no uninvolved or innocents in Gaza, that the children of Gaza have brought this on themselves, that there should be one sentence for everyone there, death. Then there's the media which continually broadcast genocidal messages without sensual sanction. That includes media reports calling for Gaza to be erased, turned into a slaughterhouse, that Hamas should not be eliminated, but rather Gaza should be raised. The repeated claim there are no innocents. There are 2.5 million terrorists. One local official reportedly calls for Gaza to be desolate and destroyed, and like the Auschwitz Museum, existing to demonstrate the madness of the people who live there. What's even more disturbing is that this list is already out of date. Every day seems to bring ever-escalating examples of genocidal intent. Today, today alone, a Lukud parliamentarian, Moshada, declared that everybody knows the right wing was right. Gazans should be exterminated. He said that on Channel 14, a commercial television station. 
Another Likud parliamentarian, Tali Gottlieb, called for deliberate starvation to be used as a weapon of war, adding, without hunger and thirst among the Gazan population, we will not be able to recruit collaborators. We will not be able to recruit intelligence. We will not be able to bribe people with food, drink, medicine. Now, in case you think she's just an extreme outlier, although having listened to all this, I doubt you do, one Israeli newspaper reports that the IDF is demanding the already meager humanitarian aid entering Gaza should be reduced, even as the Israeli newspaper Haaretz said yesterday that a severe famine is spreading in Gaza. What we are seeing in real time, being played out before our eyes, if we choose to see, is the dynamic of genocide. It's not simply a case that the atrocities of 7th of October triggered a gruesome but understandable wave of fury and vengeance which then subsides with time. The opposite is happening. In climate science, there is an apocalyptic scenario of unstoppable climate change. It's called hothouse earth, in which feedback loops trigger ever escalating temperature increases which spiral out of control. When Israeli societies become a genocidal hothouse, it is radicalizing. It's trapped in a positive feedback loop of genocidal feeling. All these statements of intent are further whipping up Israeli society and the Israeli elite. They're normalizing genocidal sentiment, giving others the courage to speak out and speak in similar ways. As such, Israeli society is in the grip of genocidal mania. This risks developing an unstoppable momentum, when even if an Israeli government, for whatever reason, decided to take its foot off the pedal and scale back on genocidal activity, an enraged Israeli public would overthrow it and install a new government recommitting to genocidal action. Now, there are incredibly courageous Israeli peace activists, and hope for the future must rest with them. As for now, they're incredibly isolated. One poll finds 57.6% of Israeli Jews think not enough firepower is being used in Gaza. What would more firepower even mean in practice? It would simply mean mass extermination. So this is why South Africa's case is so important. A ruling by the court could take years, but we don't have years. So South Africa has asked for something else as well. For the court to order in the meantime for Israel to cease its operations in Gaza, desist from the forced displacement of Palestinians and allow Gazans to get access to humanitarian aid. That would mean foreign states who then facilitate Israel's current action would find themselves criminally liable. We need external action and we need it desperately. I've said this many times during this horror, but I'll say it again. You may have looked at great horrors and atrocities in the past when a clear evil was being committed, when a mass slaughter of civilians was being unleashed, and you may have asked yourself, how was it possible? How did many people, so many people, who weren't sociopathic because the vast majority in any society are not sociopaths, become overwhelmed with bloodlust, become complicit in mass murder, often emotionally invested in killing vast numbers of their fellow human beings. Well, now you know. Now you know. Time is running out. In my next video, I'll unpack this document with the esteemed lawyer, Daniel Machova. But in the meantime, we have to spread awareness, make sure that the gravity of this crime is understood. So please share this video. I will include a link to South Africa's document in the title, and we should commend South Africa, of course, a previous victim of the grave crime of apartheid what it's doing to stop this current horror as ever please like subscribe you can keep the show on the road and patreon.com forward slash mjones84 and we will speak shortly hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands and the best part 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 